I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to season four of Left to Our Own Devices, the show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Chef JJ Johnson, better known as Chef JJ, is a James Beard award-winning chef, TV personality, and author, best known for his barrier-breaking cuisine informed by the Caribbean flavors of his upbringing. At Field Trip, JJ's made-to-order rice bowl concept that debuted in 2019, Chef JJ highlights rice as a hero ingredient and showcases it in recipes sourced from around the world. Field Trip's first location opened in Harlem and has since grown to two additional locations, including Rockefeller Center and Long Island City. And in very recent news, Chef JJ raised a Series A, which will let him expand to eight additional locations. As one of the only fast casual restaurants on Esquire's America's Best New Restaurants list in 2020, Field Trip utilizes sustainable ingredients and ethically sourced vegetables and proteins, creating a flavorful and diverse dining experience. The brand's motto, Rice is Culture, which of course is right up my alley, was born out of Chef JJ's belief that rice is the universal ingredient that connects us all and can be found at the center of the table in almost every community. Chef JJ, so great to see you. How's it going? It's going great. Good to see you as well. So I would love for you, you know, you're in the restaurant industry. You were front and center during the pandemic. I've read a lot of articles, listened to some of your interviews, laid off 90% of your staff, pivoted from 20% takeout to 80%, growing from staying afloat to growth. So you got it all. I got it all. I, I did my homework. So the theme of season four of this podcast is to think about and ponder this question, like, now what? We are entering year three. And I just want to start off by asking you, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, how is it going? I don't think I'm a person that should complain, right? I raised capital for a series A. I have a pretty progressive brand, chef brand. So I'm going to come from a standpoint of all restaurants. It sucks, right? I would say the last 75 days, well, let me say that, like the sector of like when Omicron hit to February 4th, it was rough. And then the numbers in New York City started to trickle down. And there's like this kind of sweet spot. It looks like that people feel comfortable. Like when they say it's below 5%, right? I think people start to say, oh, 5% means one out of like every 40 person. That means I'm okay. We've seen an uptick now over these last two weeks, which has been really great. And also this sense of like, I'm out and I'm going to bow and I'm hanging out and I'm going to get lunch with my friends or I'm going to go to corporate meetings, which has been really good because I think a lot of people don't realize is that corporate America in New York, right? Big business employ a lot of people and not just like the folks that can work at home on a Zoom camera. Right, right. The people that are like the housekeepers and the maintenance guys, they really rely on people coming back to the office space. And then restaurants rely on corporate business to come eat in their restaurant after work, happy hour, drinks, business dinners. That really is a big sector of the restaurant industry and has been missing now for three years. And so you feel that this is starting to finally come back in New York City? I would say it's starting to come back. We have a location in Rockefeller Center. I would hear these stories, yo, you're going to get like 50, 100 bowl orders, like last minute, it's going to come through, it's going to blow your mind. I'm like, nobody orders food, like, I think about dinner at lunch, 
You know, people <laughs> think about food all day. But recently, we've been getting a lot of these big business orders, 100 bowls, 50 bowls, 200 bowls, which is really great. And that indicates that there's people in the office space. And I believe corporate America is using food as a vessel to lure people back into the office. Like, oh, you couldn't get field trip where you lived. So come back to the office and we'll buy you field trip today. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So you and I met actually at an Aspen Institute event a couple of months ago. You were on a panel with Danny Meyer and Dawn Davis also were on the panel. You and I got to talking over dinner about the Spaghetti Project, which is based on a study out of Cornell that found that when firefighters come together around a meal and connect as humans, it actually correlates with higher performance and those firefighters save more lives. You're in the food business. So how have you seen the power of a meal and the impact on your community and your patrons. And I love on your website, it says the realization that rice connects us and can be found at the center of tables in almost every community, which when I read, I have to say it got goosebumps. So talk about that. When we were talking about that, you said firefighters. And then I was like, hold on, but there's family meal in the restaurant. Maybe that's why we perform in the restaurant really well. I never thought about that when we gather around a table for these 30 minutes, we eat, we converse. But then taking that same effect during the pandemic, super on in the pandemic, you know, my wife's a nurse. She was coming home really late at night, wasn't thinking about food like I do because she was getting killed in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Crazy word to use. The next day I sent her and her team some food, about 40 rice bowls of different flavors. And then I was like, well, hold on, what's going on in Harlem? Like if a downtown hospital is this busy, what's going on at Harlem Hospital? So I took to Twitter, seeing if I knew anybody in the restaurant industry that had anybody that worked in the hospital and an old GM of mine said, my wife's in the ER room, young lady that came into our restaurant said, my aunt runs community affairs, Miss Sylvia reached out to both of them. Miss Sylvia was like, yeah, yeah, send her some bowls. They need it. They need it in the ER room. It's crazy. Dropped off. I remember that. They would not let me walk in. I literally dropped off the bags outside. I walked away. They picked them up. They said, thank you. I went to Twitter and just said, I think I did the best thing I've ever done in my life. And people started to like want to match me on bowls to send to the hospital, which was this moment of like what we just said, the spaghetti effect, right? This food was this vessel of connecting people to then make hopefully the food that we're going to hospitals around the country now. Mm-hmm. We're making doctors and nurses and frontline workers and anybody that worked under those roofs perform better. But what it actually did for us, it brought awareness from the Harlem community. People were like, you have no business right now. What do you mean you're sending food to Mm -hmm. a hospital. And I was like, well, this food is going to go bad because there's nobody leaving their home. We got to give it to somebody. And that became a really big effect. We were able to bring back the 90% of the employees I laid off. We brought them back and we started to feed people. We built this buy a bowl program, which everything was at cost. And we did over a hundred thousand meals. Oh my gosh. So are you still doing some of that in some way, shape or form? Yeah, now we partner up with organizations. So we partner up with an organization called Rethink Food. We've done, I think, over 200,000 meals with them. What that is, they partner with the local church. We drop off the food to the local church in partnership with them. We do 200 meals a day, six days a week. We've done some stuff for Harlem Grown, feeding homeless children in shelters. We partner with NYCHA with produce boxes, which is people right across the street in low-income housing. That for me was helping small business. So using food as the vessel, as the connector has helped. But yeah, I believe that we will keep doing it as we move into hopefully more and more communities 
we'll figure out ways to partner with organizations and either give food directly or some type of donations. We just recently did something like Friends of the Children to help children with school supplies. We launched something, a bowl, and the dollars from that bowl went for school supplies. So just using food as a vessel, Erica. I love it. I love it. So I heard you in an interview recently where you said, you know, when restaurants do fully open, they won't be the same. You know, you referenced technology, some different things. So what do you think will have changed when we do get to the point where restaurants are fully open? People want what I call like the high and the low. So people are either eating like low brow, like field trip food, right? Fast, casual, fast food. And then when they go out to eat, they want like an amazing experience because inflation, we've missed experience. So what a lot of chefs are doing is they're going to tasting menus. And that's a reason to help control labor, food cost, lights, gas, right? Because they can do a certain amount of people at this cost. They know they mm-hmm. want to afford at this cost and go through. So that's one thing we're seeing, digitalizing menus or being able to order from the table side, being able to order ahead of time. Interesting. I have to say, I'm a little old school, JJ. I miss holding a menu. It may not be totally PC and it's better for the environment, but I don't know. There's something. People want a paper menu. I'm like, come on, just scan a barcode. They're like, I don't got that fancy phone. I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me help you out. But it's not about the fancy phone. It is this sense of that drawer in your house, right? That menu drawer, we all have it. Probably has a lot of Chinese menus in it. You pull it out, old school style, and you order from that restaurant. Well, and for me, though, it's almost the ritual of it. Like it's part of you walk into the restaurant, you sit down, you take a deep breath, you look across the table at who you're with, or if you're by yourself, just take an exhale and you look and you hold the menu. And there's something for me about the loss of that ritual. And then the other thing that I have an issue with, and, you know, we all have, including me, probably more so than many, you know, I'm somebody that talks about the impact of your phone on connection, yet I have my own phone addiction. But what I love about going out to eat is being able to put the phone away. And now they're saying, well, we have no menus, so you have to have your phone at the table. So those are the two things I struggle with. I like holding a menu in a restaurant. I'm not going to lie to you. I get very confused with all my phone scrolling around. It's like, how big can your wine list be if you don't have a beautiful <laughs> wine list, right? You're scrolling through like, oh yeah, can't go back to that page or hold that page. So I do think there's some loss of the art, right? The art loss. But the great thing about the restaurant industry is that we're fighters. We figure it out. Hopefully it evolves. And when I say I don't think it will come back the same I hope that tipping comes back differently. I hope that minimum wage comes back differently. I hope we can really figure out for people to look at the industry as not a luxury, but a necessity. And I think a lot of people look at restaurants as a luxury, but they employ a lot of people. And even some of our first jobs are in restaurants. That's interesting. I read an article just the other day about a restaurant pooling the tips for the back of the house because they're so understaffed right now. Is it New York? So New York has a very odd policy that tipped employees is this thing called like this 80-20 rule where 80% of your time you have to be talking to customers and 20% of the time you have to be doing work, which means that the kitchen can't do that. But on actuality, we all believe that servers, busters, runners, dishwashers, if everybody was collective and everybody can do everything, your restaurant will probably perform higher have a better experience and everybody got the tip. So I was at doing a guest chef in a restaurant in Atlanta called Southern Bell and they can tip the pools for everybody. 
because the mayor of Atlanta changed the ruling. Mm-hmm. And now what Chef Joey does is everybody gets paid $10 an hour, which is crazy, right? Like $10 an hour. But they all make more money now than they did before, even when the chefs or the cooks were getting paid $18, $19 an hour, even when the servers were getting paid $5.60 and they were just in the tip pool. Now everybody's happy. He only has his restaurant open four days a week. They all make livable wage. I mean, that's when I talk about the industry will come back as a different place. We have to start looking to the future on some things. And if you want your employees to be all in the tip pool, put them all in the tip pool. Why is it such a big deal? That's how I look at it. Right. And there's some restaurants that do put their whole team in a tip pool, but they don't call, they they change the names and stuff. We won't talk about those restaurants. They're smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, from a business perspective, if everybody's incentives are aligned and working toward the same goal, and everybody, if the experience for the customers is great, everybody's going to make more. I can see why that would make sense. So talk to us a little bit about Field Trip for those who don't know. And how did you start it and the name? And tell us about the culture and the impact of your culture on how you can attract and retain your employees, which is really hard right now in this industry. Field Trip is a rice bowl shop. All our rice comes directly from the farm. No grain is enriched or bleached. This isn't your grocery store rice. We source our rice just like chopped or sweet green sources their salad greens. Alice Waters sources her vegetables and everything's at an affordable rate. Everything's, well, we can debate, but everything's under $13. And the bowls, you're on a field trip. So you might be going to the American South. You have our crispy chicken bowl with our sticky barbecue sauce and Carolina fried gold rice. You can potentially go to what I call like a mashup of like Africa and Asia, which is pineapple black fried rice with our legendary peri peri salmon. And all of our bowls come with collard greens as the base and whatever other seasonal vegetables. So right now it's butternut squash and Brussels sprouts. In the spring, it will be cauliflower, red cabbage, and collard greens. So that's where we're changing. And the goal is that it's an affordable eatery for the everyday person, Mm -hmm. right? And it may be communities that don't get the chance to get good for you food. And many people will say, well, you're in Rockefeller Center. That's a community based around like one percenters. But there's a lot of construction workers, firefighters, police officers that can't afford to eat at a lot of restaurants in Rockefeller Center. They come and eat at Field Trip. Or in Harlem, we're between 115th and 116th and Malcolm X Boulevard, one of the highest unemployment rates in New York City. But what people are eating is the fried fish spot or Popeye's. And now they have an option just to come to eat to us. And I think on the spaghetti effect, that has helped camaraderie, right? Because now when people come in a field trip, you're like, you see some firefighters coming in, you see police officers, you see guys that have lived in this community for a hundred years, I say, their family, and they're all eating next to each other and then having a conversation with what's in your bowl? Oh, what's that black rice taste like? Right. And then that helps build community or break down barriers that weren't able to be broke down before. Mm-hmm. I think that also reflects then into who works for us. I like to try to hire people that are ingrained in the community that we're in. So when the people walk through the door, they know, oh, Iris, Kira, I know you. I try to give them like a livable wage. And that's where it becomes full circle. It's not just like putting better for you food in a community, but maybe some of your employees live in a shelter or they share a bedroom in an apartment. Hopefully working at Field Trip allows them to upgrade themselves any way possible. And I think the biggest thing, Erica, was the Summer Olympics 
there was a young lady they were interviewing and they were like, so where was your first job? Have you ever had a job before? And she was like, yeah, I worked at McDonald's. And I was like, oh my God, I hope one day somebody will say that they're in Livingston. Like, so well, did you ever work? I'm like, yeah, my first job was on field trip, you know, but you could see the excitement in her face yep. and that McDonald's taught her some type of values in life and how to take care of people. And we hope that we can give the same thing. It's the best experience. I was a waitress. You met my son when we met a couple of months ago. He was a busboy at a restaurant in New York and he last summer polished silver, which was, you know, he said one of the hardest jobs, you know, just standing for hours and hours. And my daughter was a hostess in a restaurant. So I think it's such great experience. Well, yeah, I grew up in Pennsylvania in the Poconos. My first job was a dishwasher at a country club. Only place I ever got fired from. We can talk about that offline. <laughs> Listen, it's a people's business. You get to learn about people. You get to enjoy food. It's great. Yeah, it is great. As I share in the beginning, you know, the theme here on this season is now what? And I loved your insights and changes that we might see in the restaurant industry overall. But in December, you had some really big news. So in terms of your own now what, <laughs> talk about your big news. In December, I closed out on a Series A to grow field trip to up to eight locations and potentially launch a sauce line. And I had so much excitement and then the Omicron hit me and I was like, ugh. But yeah, Series A, we partnered up with Minority Investment, two investment companies, one called Founders Table, which owns Chopped and Dos Toros, and another one called Pendulum, which invests in women and minority-owned businesses, which is Robbie Robinson. I'm really excited for them to be on board. My belief of taking money from them was that I know they can help me grow in the areas that I'm looking to grow and lend mm-hmm. advice and things that I might not know. You say, what now, right? That's what now. I go back and say, who did something really right that I can apply to now? And I look back at Chipotle and what they did with McDonald's and McDonald's helped them get to 22 locations or however many locations. And then they were able to explode. And I hope that that's what I could do with Nick Marsh and Robbie Robinson and their expertise and connections of folks can connect me to people that I don't know to help Field Trip grow because I do believe it's a brand that will become bigger than who I am. That's amazing. Do we get to know where some of the new locations are going to be or you're still oh, fingers crossed? The next two ideal focus is Columbia University. I'm a location right across the street from Columbia University. Wow. Which I awesome. hope I'm praying every day. <laughs> and then Washington Heights, right next to New York Presbyterian Hospital. When you talk about an area of food, Wendy's, Burger King's, Wing Stops. And it's a hospital there. It's like, well, these doctors and nurses want to eat better. I think we'll do really well in that area too. And the community will really enjoy us having us there. And then I will do one in the Bronx. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I want to do one in the Bronx. And then probably look to Brooklyn, probably like downtown Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And maybe one more downtown somewhere in one of those locations that it's hard to get into. But our second market, I'm not sure, Erica, I need help on that one. I don't know. I'm trying to still learn our customer yeah. Who's our customer and where can we go? But Howard University, I think, will be great for us at their campus in the D.C. area, Philadelphia, looking at. I have two girls in school and college in Philadelphia, and they need some restaurants right near these schools. So where do they go? They go to the <laughs> University of Pennsylvania. That's so funny because the University of Pennsylvania women's and guys basketball team have ordered food from field trip recently when they've come to town after their game. And I'm like, what is making you guys, like you got Shake Shack, you got like, what do you guys do? But the coach said that one of the teammates said they read about us somewhere 
and they wanted to try the food and they loved it. So, all right, we're going to talk offline. We're going to get you connected to Philly. Well, and I have a personal stake in this because I'm going to be there for at least the next four years visiting them. <laughs> so uh, I am all over this. One question I should have asked, and then I'm going to get to this one question that everybody on the podcast gets. Why did you call a field trip? I'll give you a funny story. We had a name beforehand. We went to Trademark and we learned a big food service company owned that name. I'm like, ah, I don't think you should take a risk on it. And then I was with my wife one night. We were, at that time, she was my fiance. We we're like drinking wine, getting toasty. And I'm like reading this article from this New York Times writer. It's like, I was on a field trip. Rice, sure cane. I'm like to my wife, hey, how do you like this name field trip? She's like, I think that's a good name. So we like do it around the people, but it was like, I'm reading this article and I'm like field trip. And the first word after it was rice. And I'm like, hold on. And all these ingredients, like those ingredients I cook with. So for me, field is for all the rice field and trips for all the trips I've taken around the world. I've cooked in Singapore, Israel, Ghana, and India. And in some of those places I was able to visit rice farms. Oh, I think I read you're going somewhere warm soon to be a celebrity chef. <laughs> Where are you going? And is there room for me? I'm going to cook in Anguilla. At Malahana, I'm doing a residency there, taking over the hotel for a month. So it should be really fun. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. There's always room for you. Okay, good. Good. I'll see if it works. So maybe for spring break, we will head <laughs> down there. My question is, you on a personal level, I feel like we've really gotten to know you through this conversation. So maybe I could guess the answer to this, but what do you do in your life that makes you feel most like you? I mean, for me, always making me feel like me has always been cooking. If I get frustrated at home, I go to the kitchen and cook. If I'm angry, I go to the kitchen and cook. So cooking has always been something that makes me feel like me. I think now as I grow older, you know, that's a really hard question because I always just feel like me. I've always just been true to myself. That's something that my parents really raised me hard on, especially my dad was, you're going to grow whatever you're going to be, whatever you do, you do because you want to do it. And I've been fortunate that I think everything that I've done I've just been true to myself. So I'm always just feeling like me. And I think the moment where I can't be like me, I probably will then not do it anymore. Right. Sorry, there's not like a straight. No, I think it's a great answer. I think it's something that many of us aspire to. So it's nice to hear that. This was an amazing conversation. I mean, I learned so much. You all have been truly, truly on the front lines of this pandemic of the last three years. I learned from you about seeing food as a luxury to something that is a necessity, sustaining all of our societies. You use the word vessel. Food is a vessel for us coming together. And I can't wait to see how Field Trip grows with this new investment. And we want to follow you. Everybody listening, go take a Field Trip to Field Trip. Get a rice bowl. Give us feedback. Let us know how much you loved it. Go to Rockefeller Center. Go back to the office. Have your meetings. Get them catered. I'm excited and hopeful that as a society, we are moving on and we all can begin to think about now what. So with that, JJ, I can't wait. I've got to come up there and see you in person soon, plan our new restaurant in Philadelphia. Any parting words from you? Yeah, thank you again for having me. It means a ton. It was a pleasure meeting you at Aspen Institute and look forward to keeping in touch. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Left Door Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly-ish update on all things human at work, or just want to say hello, email me at erica at ericakeswin.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you soon. 